our, our vision of the treaty is, you know, we're going to continue to follow the mandates that the membership uh, has put out. Um, like Bram mentions before, we're not trying to go backwards. We're always trying to move forward. That's, that's always going to be our goal is to, to achieve what we already have plus more. We, we, we don't want to ever take a step back. listening to the Treaty Talk podcast. Today's topic is the fiscal relationship with the most updated information as of July 2021. Stay informed with these podcasts as we continue to push the government into negotiating a treaty that is optimal for a community to sign off on. Welcome everybody to our next podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about the fiscal relationship. Uh, I'm Ronnie Chikait, elected chief of the Wiwakai and a board member of the Liquida Treaty Society. You know, once again, joining me is Bram Rogachevsky. He's our chief negotiator for the Liquida Treaty Society and our summer student, Josh Rowland, who's also a member of the Wiwakai. Uh, today we're going to have a brief conversation about how our nation will be funded after treaty. Uh, this is a very important topic because many think that after treaty, we are on our own and that all the costs will have to be covered by our own revenue. Well, this is not the case. Um, after treaty, our nation continues to be funded. And in fact, after treaty, because Canada has a new fiscal policy for self-governing nations, we'll be in a far better off position financially than we are right now. So I'd like to pass it over to Bram so he can talk about his role as the chief negotiator. Thanks, uh, Chief Ronnie, and, and thanks, Josh, for, for putting putting this together. Um, and, and I'm happy to get the, the, the involved in the second podcast. Um, and for those who didn't listen to the first one or hadn't met me yet, my name is Bram Rogachevsky. I am the, the chief negotiator for the Treaty Society. Um, and my role as chief negotiator is to be a, a, an advocate uh, for the positions, interests of of, of Wiwakai as uh, as represented through the Treaty Society, and to negotiate the 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 best uh, the best package um, that we can as part of our uh, as part of our team, uh, take direction from the board um, on how to do that, and work collectively with the team to advance our positions at the table as well as developing relationships with my colleagues in the provincial and federal system um, uh, to, to make sure that we're building the types of relationships that we need to move our uh, interests forward uh, in government and to get us to the place where we want to be in, in these negotiations. So uh, so pleased to be here to talk about uh, the fiscal issues. All right. Th thanks, Bram. Um, Josh, I'd like to uh, turn it over to you to introduce yourself. All right, yeah, um, thank you guys for, for tuning in again. My name is Josh Rowland. Uh, like Ronnie said, I'm a, a Wiwakai band member and the summer student at Likuta Tree Society. The podcast is one of the, the main projects that I'm working on this summer. And uh, we really just wanna make it as uh, informative and uh, a good piece of information that everyone can kind of get something from. So yeah, I, I say let's, uh, let's get to it. We're gonna start off simple today. When you say fiscal, what is it that we're exactly talking about? 
By fiscal, we mean the finances, you know, or the agreement we have with Canada to continue to fund our nation's governance. Uh, we have a fiscal agreement already, uh, but we, but like all other nations, we are we are underfund, underfunded, and we can't support all the programs and community growth that we would like to. It's just it's tough uh, right now. So we currently get funded, but I've also heard that people have been saying that after we sign treaty, we will have to pay for all of our own services and that we will lose things like healthcare. Would, could, uh, would you be able to explain this? Yeah, Josh, thanks. And, and I think, you know, that's one of the most common questions about treaty and, and, and probably one of the most common, um, uh, I don't want to call it a, a misunderstanding because I think a lot of this is about kind of just making, you know, using these types of forums to kind of talk about what, what treaty does and, and what it doesn't do. Um, you know, it, it's important to recognize that, that for a self-governing nation, a fiscal relationship uh, with Canada uh, is going to be paramount, um, you know, and we see it with the transfer payments that go from the federal government to the provinces. Um, in the same way, there's going to be an expectation that there is an ongoing fiscal model uh, where uh, uh, payments come from the federal government to support governance on an ongoing basis. Um, and the nation will also have its own source revenue that's outside of, of the fiscal model. Um, and and Wuukai obviously has quite a significant capacity for own source revenue, so that's gonna be important. Uh, we talked in the first podcast about taxation revenue, which is also important. Um, but from a fiscal perspective, it's gonna be important to, for everyone to understand that there is an ongoing fiscal relationship with the federal government that will continue over time. Um, and that includes what we understand today to be called programs and services. So things like healthcare, um, you know, there's, there's a common view and it's an example out there that folks, you know, how are we gonna pay for our eyeglasses? How are we gonna pay for our medication? And as we talked about in the first podcast, there's no intent to be going backwards on any of that. The intent is to develop a fiscal model where you at least have the baseline for programs and services and then there's additional sources of funding to support your government. And we can talk about kind of the different categories of funding, but it's important to note that there won't be any loss of those services, programs and services, be it healthcare and social security and some of the other things that members rely upon education, of course. Um, those things will continue to exist, will continue to be supported at least at existing levels, but we're talking about obviously ways to enhance those levels because as Chief Ronnie says, every community is underfunded in those, in those ways. And we need to be looking for ways to ensure that the government can support its citizens um, across the board. Um, but that's a really important thing for folks to understand that there won't be a loss in any programs and services as a result of moving into a self-governing relationship. So after this treaty and this new model and, uh, and the working of this fiscal relationship, how will we determine uh, how much our nations would get funded? And that decision, uh, who, who makes that decision? Are there any strings attached on, on how, we, how we get to spend these fundings? Uh, like, will we be bound to Indian affairs uh, like we are now? The fiscal relationship that's developed and, and through agreements that will be made with the federal government 
will be the source of funds. And it's going to be very important. And in, 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 in what we're negotiating is to ensure that those agreements are what we call uh, evergreen, that they continue to exist over time. So you aren't in a position where oh, one agreement ends and we haven't negotiated the next agreement and there's a year gap because we're trying to negotiate the proper funding amounts. Do we go without funding for a year? We've got to make sure that there aren't gaps. And we have to make sure that the funding is secure. Now, the different sources of, uh, of funding that will come in by agreement with, with, with the federal government, the one that there's been a major change in is what we call core governance. So this would be this would be something similar to what folks may understand to be band support funding today under the Indian Act, where there's amount of funding that comes into the government every year to support its administration. There's uh, an acknowledgement and an understanding that for a self-governing self-governing nation, it's going to cost a heck of a lot more to run your government from an administrative and other perspective. And so when we call it, when we talk about core governance funding, we're negotiating now based on a true cost of government model or what we're calling kind of an expenditure need model, where you're taking a look at what it may actually cost to effectively run a government to ensure that your representatives are compensated properly, to make sure that you've got the flexibility to hire the people that you need to in order to run your government. And importantly, you need to under you need to be able to pay those individuals an equivalent amount as what they would be earning if they went and worked for the provincial government or the federal government. So we're avoiding brain drain where someone like you, Josh, who wants to work for your government says, well, I've got all these skills. I can go over here and get paid X. Why would I work here for why, even though I want to? We need to make sure that there's equivalency to make sure that young people can choose to work for your nation on a, on a go forward basis. And that's gonna result in a core governance funding approach that ensures your government to be funded at a level uh, that you need to be funded at to run. That's core governance. Aside from that is the programs and services that we've talked about to ensure that you still receive the funding for programs and services to support your your citizens residing on your on your treaty lands. There's also other categories of funding that are negotiated again on an annual basis to ensure that funds come in for land management to ensure that funds come in for infrastructure on your lands culture and language and language vitality is a huge one. And then we can also talk about, you know, the funds that come in to actually implement the treaty, uh, which is going to be an important component too. These are all secure annual funds that come in from the government of Canada. One of the most important differences between Indian Act support funding and governance funding is the reporting requirements. When it comes to a self-governing nation, you receive the money, you use the money how you want to use the money as a self-governing nation. So from an administrative perspective, if you want to hire a certain category of folks, not another category, that's up to you in terms of the different positions that might be contemplated in your government. You don't have to report out. This isn't the type of funding that you have today in terms of the reporting requirements to INAC. INAC is out of the picture. All Canada does is cut the check. Um, so I think that's an important uh, piece of information to get across. These do sound like pretty significant changes. What could this mean for the future of our community? How do you guys see this affecting us? Well, th- these changes are, are really important, Josh. Um, right now, we, you know, we have to report to Indian Affairs on so many things that we want to do, and we're underfunded. Um, this additional funding you know, at the levels that are equal to how the provincial government is funded will mean big changes for, for our community. 
uh, we'll be able to hire more people. Uh, we'll also be able to offer more programming. And even though I think we, you know, we've done uh, done well to make decisions that are creating a community that we all can be happy and proud to be in, uh, this new funding agreement uh, will help speed up that work. Uh, we, you know, we're pretty well educated, you know, highly group, uh, highly skilled group of people, and this funding will go a long ways to support the vision of the the community we all have. Um, Bram mentioned uh, this core governance, and you know. Maybe I'll just get Bram to touch on this really quickly, but you know, other treaties that have had this core governance included, um, they came up a little short when it came to the core governance. And I think the government has realized that now, have they not? So, you know, if we decide to sign treaty that the um, core governance will be looked at better than what they've offered to say, like someone like Slyamon. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And I think the issue is that those, some of the previous treaties were signed uh, not based on the core governance model, but based on the previous model for funding, which is more akin to kind of how funding is done now under the Indian Act based on the per capita model um, and doesn't take into account the true cost of government. And so, as you say, there's been significant shortfalls. And so what those modern treaty nations are doing is they're actually coming to the table with the federal government now as well to make sure that their funding agreements are changed to reflect this new model around the true cost of government. So, um, so you're right. I mean, I think Canada's recognized some of the shortfalls. Um, they've recognized shortfalls in a lot of ways. One of the main ways that they recognize some shortfalls in what we're calling startup costs. So the period where, so eventually, if we have a treaty that we want, that, 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 that leadership will bring to community and community decides to ratify the treaty and, and votes yes on a treaty, you'll have that as your ratification. You'll then set an effective date for when the treaty actually comes into effect. And that's maybe three years down the road. During that period of time, there's a huge amount of work that happens to get ready for effective date, including drafting the laws that need to come into place during effective date, getting your governance structure ready, um, and all sorts of activities. That was massively underfunded in the case of Tlaamen, for example. Um, and so that's a new category of funding that's being looked at to greatly up the category, that, that, that amount of funding that comes in over that three or four year period to get ready for treaty. So I think there's a lot of lessons learned, Ronnie, and kind of looking back at the models. And, and I think that's where this true cost of government comes from, where they look at some of the self-governing nations. They've looked at, and this was a collaborative process, they looked at some of the nations that are governing up in the Yukon and other places to be able to say, like, what would this? type of government look like um, and how much money is required uh, in order to, to ensure that the nation can, can do what it needs to do. Yeah, no, thanks for that, Bram. Yeah, I just thought we'd let the membership know that, you know, with other treaties that there has been some shortfalls and, you know, we've seen that. So now we know what not to, to accept. So, exactly. I'll turn it back over to you, Josh. Yeah, I also think, yeah, it's very, very important to to get, to get examples as well and to understand and, and learn from people who have gone through those processes. Um, Bram, in our, in our community meeting, it was mentioned, you mentioned the, the term, uh, the true cost of government. And I understand that means that the actual cost to, to run your own government. Um, a question that came up actually in our community meeting was uh, who determines that true cost of government? I was wondering if you could uh, answer that for the podcast today. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. Obviously, it's really hard to determine. Um, you know, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, there, there needs to be an agreement on an annual funding amount that's going to flow to the nation. Um, and as we've talked about through this new model of treaty, there's going to be opportunities to open this up to ensure that it's adequate and to be able to make adjustments where it isn't. Uh, so at the end of the day, you know, Canada will make a fiscal offer, uh, which includes this model around the true cost of government. The difference now is it's being done collaboratively. So the nation actually has an opportunity to look at it. So, for example, we've been in rooms with the federal government where we've looked at the spreadsheets that kind of show based on kind of some examples out there and some work that done the categories of employees that might be uh, uh, that, that might be part of this government how much those that type of job would earn in the provincial system or the federal system <clears throat> what the benefits would be what the vacation time would be what the inflation rates would be and you can actually see all of it and there's also a, um, a bump for larger nations uh, like Wewakai um, and other factors that go into the model and actually pumps out a figure which we can look at and work on together instead of Canada saying, here's your amount based on your per capita under the Indian Act. So it's something that no one actually determines that for you. And as you say, you can decide how you want to use the money, full stop. But I think for the purposes of a fiscal offer, we do have to get to a number that governments think might work for the per for, for this category of funding. Um, and um, and uh, at least now we're dealing with much, much better information than we were in the past. It's not a unilateral decision on the part of Canada. So you decide, but at the end of the day, you'll need to have an agreement with Canada by which every year they will pay you X dollars uh, to run this part of your government. Then you're going to have a period of time to, to see how it's going before you have an opportunity to check back in with Canada and make sure that's sufficient. The principle is that there needs to be sufficient money to run your government. There's parameters. Yes, it's not unlimited, but this model allows you to actually look at it and build your government in a way that kind of makes sense for you in terms of your governance structure, how your folks are elected and how your administration runs. And I think that's a really important change as well. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, another thing to mention would be um, the treaty debt. Uh, does that still exist? And uh, how would that be affecting this new fiscal relationship? Ronnie, I know you, you touched on this, you can answer this as well, but, but the treaty debt no longer exists. So, so, so the treaty debt is off the books. It, it no longer factors into the fiscal arrangement at all. And, um, and, and I know the nation's accountants have also advised uh, council that that, that that amount is now officially off the books and it doesn't affect the, the nation's finances in any way. Also, all of the dollars that currently support our negotiation process and that will support the ratification process and all of the things that we're doing in treaty is now coming in by way of contribution funding. So there are no more loans. The nation and the society are not taking any more loans from the federal government to run the negotiations process. And that takes some of the pressure off to make sure that we're doing the job the best way we can. And we don't owe Canada anything for being part of this re reconciliation process. So this is all contribution funding. There aren't, the, the nation isn't expected to take on any more loans. And also that number doesn't come off the top in any way. It doesn't impact the settlement that will come into the nation at the end of the day. Yeah, that was definitely good to clarify for sure. 
from the funds that we get um, from this fiscal relationship, uh, generally, uh, what improvements can we can we see from our community from these funds? So to answer your question, Josh, um, you know, with with the funding, you know, I feel that we we can step out of the the Indian Act and we can governance ourselves, you know, with with our funding the way it needs to be. So um, I, I guess the the, be, the best answer because I don't I don't want to say something that's that's you know putting words out there then until we were concrete but um i feel that we are definitely moving in the right direction where we're we're not relying on you know yearly funding when we can have uh programs and everything's running better with with this kind of funding Another question I have for you, uh, Chief Ronnie, is as you be as you have become more involved with this process, uh, did you have any misconceptions about the the fiscal relationship previously that have now been cleared cleared up for you now that you've become more involved with this? For sure. I mean, uh, for for years, the the loan forgiveness, uh, you know, I've always just you know you hear you hear people talking and it's. You know the the loans coming off the top. Uh, Brown Brown already mentioned that, but to me that was, you know, that was one mis you know conception that I always thought. You know, nobody's just going to keep feeding you money and then it's you know given away. But that's eventually what happened. I always just thought it was, you know, the government does things uh, in ways that sometimes puzzle you, and I was uh, quite shocked to know that they actually did follow through and. And took the loan off, but um, that was a misconception for me. Another thing uh, to do with funding uh, that I'd like to clarify, uh, I'd like some clarification with uh, is the the cash component of the treaty. Uh, the funding that we are talking about today, it doesn't come off uh, from that cash component from the agreement. Yeah, so to so to clarify your your question, so the the funding will not come from the cash component, you know. I, I believe that cash component will, you know, be used for, uh, you know, acquiring future lands, businesses, um, maybe, you know, possibly distributions, but also to build up business or, you know, the, the nation's assets is what the, that cash component will be used for. So we can, we can grow and everybody will benefit from the, the long-term goals, I guess, as council has set out. Okay. Yeah. Um, Another another question I had is like, uh, is there any other type of funding that the nation would also be eligible for? Yeah, so I think as I mentioned, you know, there's a bunch of uh, there's several categories of, of of funding that will actually be built in where there's agreements, and that's the core governance funding, programs and services, land management funding, infrastructure to make sure that that all of the the, the infrastructure is is kept in in, in good shape, culture and language. There's also a pot that I mentioned earlier called treaty implementation. That's a separate category of funding. And so what happens is you actually go through the treaty and every time the treaty says the nation will do something, there's dollars that are attached to that to enable you to actually do what you say you're going to do in the treaty. So there's a whole implementation bucket of funding that also flows in that's separate and apart from all of the rest of the funding. I also talked about treaty startup costs. Uh, so that period of time between ratification and effective date to ensure that there's enough money to do all of that work. And then, you know, also, you know, dollars that are out there 
that the nation is eligible to to for today will will continue to be out there uh, in terms of dollars that that might be there to support language work um, or to support any of the other initiatives that the nation has um, uh, and and those dollars could be coming in through public sources or other sources. There's nothing in the treaty that prevents the nation from 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 being a, being eligible for those sources as well. But these are all of the sources where you'll actually have a set enforceable agreement with the government of Canada to support on an annual basis. Awesome. And uh, this funding, I believe you guys did mention this, but the, the funding, is it a one-time payment or is this ongoing? Yeah. So the only, the only amount, of, the only funding that's one time is the cash component of the treaty. And as we've talked, or what we call the capital transfer. So that's part of the treaty settlement where you'd have, well, you'll have, cash component and the lands component. That's a one-time payment. And as we've talked about, that's over and above all of the other sources of funding. All of the other sources of funding from a core governance perspective, programs and services, all of those types, all of those funding are annual funding. So those are funding that you'll receive year over year, over year, over year. Um, and you'll have the agreements that requires the government to pay those funds on an annual basis. And you also have the ability to uh, renegotiate um, should the funds that have been negotiated not be sufficient for the purposes that are that are required. So the funding sources are all annual other than the capital transfer. Okay, yeah, no, I'd just like to, you know, make some closing comments as we're, we're getting near the end of this, this podcast. Uh, you know, our, our vision of the treaty is you know we're going to continue to follow the mandate that the membership uh, has put out. Um, like Bram mentions before, we're not trying to go backwards. We're always trying to move forward. That's that's always going to be our goal is to to achieve what we already have plus more. We 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 don't want to ever take a step back. You know we're we're always um, looking looking ahead, and you know we're always going to continue the work that we've uh, we've had. You know, other leadership have been here. They've played roles. Uh, we've had negotiators. Um, we're always going to, you know, we, we look to them for their help uh, as well. Um, also, want you know, we want to keep people informed as, as usual. So, you know, try reaching out, um, you know, watching on website, you know, social media, uh, reading the newsletters. Uh, if you can, if you can get them from the band or the ones that come to your home. Also, we're, you know, we're still going to be doing these uh, virtual monthly lunch and learns uh, once a month. We'll be setting, setting a date. Uh, we, we still want to do the open house once, uh, once we're able to. Um, right now, we, you know, we're getting close, but I think hopefully by the fall, we can, we can have the open houses, tea and luncheons with, with elders. Um, and also just listen, listen for these podcasts. Uh, we'll, we'll have them out uh, quite regularly. Um, also, if you have any other suggestions uh, that you you have or you other methods of communication that you'd like us to to use, uh, you can contact us at the at the office uh, 250-287-9460, or you can email us at info at lkts.ca. Um, you know we're we're trying to keep uh, members updated on significant changes. Um, you know some. Be sure to keep yourself informed through the varied methods uh, of information that is shared. 
And and I'll, and as always, if you have questions, I encourage you to reach out to the office uh, either by phone or email. Um, so Josh, did maybe you have a couple clo- closing comments? Yes, I do. Thank you, Ronnie. Um, uh, thank you again for listening. And like Ronnie mentioned, uh, reaching out for any questions uh, and simply just to be involved. And uh, I continue to encourage this uh, to any of the youth uh, in our communities. We are the next chiefs and council and leaders. So now is the perfect time to prepare for that again. And uh, one step in that direction is, is listening to these podcasts, asking a question if you have one. And simply reaching out, we will love to have you involved and uh, we make it a fun process. Bram, did you have any closing words you'd like to say? Yeah, just thanks very much. And, and really, you know, the, the, the two topics that we've tackled so far, tax and, and fiscal, uh, you know, it's really important. Um, they're obviously really detailed. And when you aren't involved in it all the time, um, some of it can be muddy. Um, and so, you know, we, we fully understand why there's views out there around, you know, um, what, what treaty is going to mean or not mean with respect to things like that affect people's day-to-day lives, like going to the dentist. Um, and so, you know, hopefully we've been able to, to address some of those and, and we want to be able to continue doing that um, because we want everyone to, to have a good understanding of, of what's possible. Um, so thanks for the opportunity to do that and uh, look forward to, to doing more. Thanks, Bram, for that. Uh, and same, Josh, uh, your comments are, are very well. Um, you know, you are our future leaders. Um, so as, as, you, as the youth get more informed, um, I, I think it's a it's a big step. Um, you know, even myself, like when I was your age, you know, I never had had enough interest. But uh, but now I think is is the time. You know, we're we're getting near the end, and it's it's definitely a time for us to have our youth uh, more more involved because you know this is going to play a huge part in in their lives as you guys are just uh, young and upcoming. And so like to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to our treaty podcast uh, episode two we hope you enjoyed it uh, and found it informative and hope that you will tune in for more as we do these and as they become available so once again thank you yeah